Hello, cryptid-loving listeners. As a friendly reminder from us here at the Don't Touch My Sasquatch podcast, we frequently make crude jokes, sprinkle our sentences with naughty words, and discuss mature content. Most of which may not be appropriate for all age groups. Listener discretion is advised. Now please enjoy. I'm sorry about that. I took it as a question. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the police report. <laughs> yeah. it was for the 26th. Exactly. Yeah. My fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, don't I look like an idiot? <laughs> oh. He's like, yeah. <laughs> the police report. Yep. So we're going squatching. We're going squatching, bitches. Welcome back, you beautiful people. Don't touch my Sasquatch podcast. We're your host. I am Josh. And I continue to be Lennon. Every day. We explore controversial topics with energy and a good laugh. We're two guys that have a love and passion for these topics. They're things that you may have heard of, but may not know the full story of yet. We're here to tell you those stories, share our opinions, and let you come to your own conclusion. We're not going to tell you what to think. We'll do the research, though, so you don't have to. And keep your mind open to the possibilities that things may not be as they appear. Imagine being a U.S. Air Force personnel stationed in the United Kingdom during the height of the Cold War. It's a tense time with geopolitical tensions running high, yet nothing could prepare the military personnel for what unfolded in a quiet countryside. Lights in the sky, strange markings on the forest floor, and encounters with an unidentified craft? This week, we are venturing into the heart of a chilling mystery that unfolded in the dense woods of Suffolk, Suffolk, England, one cold winter night. What transpired over the course of two nights has since become one of the most well-documented and perplexing UFO incidences in history. What happened? in that forest back in 1980s. Well, sit back and enjoy as we investigate the Rendlesham Forest incident. I almost said part one. But no part ones. It's part one, two, and three. Well, there's a little bit of four in there, too. So A little bit. All of it wrapped into a nice, compact hour-ish. <laughs> nice, tight hour. Nice, tight hour. It's called the bewitching hour. All right, let's jump right into this son of a bitch. Like you're skinny dipping in the lake. Ooh. Just jump in because you don't want anybody to see you. Have you seen uh, that new movie? What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? It's called The One with Jennifer Lawrence. Mm, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I have not seen it. Oh. You should watch it for like. That's the one that's getting like criticized for her being too old. I don't know. I wasn't concerned about it with what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely give that a look. Yeah, it's on Netflix. In December 1980, Suffolk, England became the stage for a series of reported UFO sightings, marking the onset of what's often dubbed Britain's Roswell Incident. Yeah. An iconic case that has captivated the world's imagination. These sightings unfolded over three consecutive nights, spanning from December 26th to the 28th. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Making noises. This stupid can was like... All right, I'm going to wait five seconds after you release. I got something to say. (laughs) God. Uh, Three consecutive nights spanning from December 26th to the 28th. Just outside the Woodbridge and Bentwaters twin RAF bases, which at the time were operated by the U.S. military during the Cold War era. 
Yeah. The twin bases were leased to the U.S. Air Force during the 1950s. Several U.S. military witnesses on those nights in question saw a series of strange lights in a physical craft. For some others, it went even further as much as to make direct contact with the craft itself. Some probing, some loving. Some caressing. gentle caressing of the metal. <laughs> Soft saxophone music in the background played by John, Jim Burroughs. John Burroughs? John Burroughs. John Burroughs. It's Jim... Peniston. Uh, Peniston, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of names in this one, folks. <laughs> Fucking bastards had, had both J names. That, a uh, lot of names and a lot of military ranks. <laughs> Colonel Sergeant, Sergeant Colonel. Master Sergeant. Master Bader. Oh. <laughs> That's your rank. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, a lie. <laughs> over four decades have passed since the incident, yet debates between... That's 40 years, people. <laughs> <laughs> yet debates between believers and skeptics persist. But these witnesses on the base during the heat of the Cold War were, and are, the only ones to truly be able to describe those fateful nights in detail to us. The British government would conduct investigations as well as some strange, well-dressed visitors would appear with their own questions for said witnesses. Were they the police? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. They're strange-dressed, though. Those those fucking hard hats that... Oh, they got some cool hats. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, like, people in suits. Oh... There's some witnesses who claim to have been questioned heavily by men in suits. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yep. Uh, what truly happened in Suffolk, England to those people, and what has made this story so compelling to this day? Actually, in that documentary, um, the, the woman that was talking yeah. did, did say she was told not, if she saw anything, don't say anything. Mm-hmm. There was uh, a couple about, other people. I did forget about research. that. Um, so let's talk about the research. On Please, that. yes. Uh, as with always, you we get we get in. Uh, that was still loud. That was okay. still loud. <laughs> it's all right. It's cool. It's all going. good. It's all what good. What do we it's get into? Uh, as with always, we, we we get into multiple different sources. Uh, we sure do. And of course, multiple different reports. And it's hard to build a clear picture, but as we've talked about, you see through the lines and yeah. you find the ones that can connect. Well, at least. But I tried to, yeah, I tried to maintain from one or two specific resources. Um, one I, of them. Mine was easy because, you know, I just listened to the recordings. Yeah, you had recordings on yours. <laughs> it's really easy. <laughs> mine was uh, about five to six people who had different reports depending on which time they were asked. <laughs> oh. But um, hmm. anyway, we got um, between, uh, it's called one of the most well-documented cases because I put notifications off. I'm just going to mute it until you are ready. <laughs> that sounds good. What the hell? You can get a lot of... <laughs> notifications is turned off. Important updates and drivers installation. It was some kind of weather thing over here. Oh. I consider that a goddamn notification, though, but whatever. A slight bit. Yeah. Um, it, one of the most well-documented uh, UFO cases because there is so much um, logistical documents and... Um, Recordings and yeah. all sorts of stuff like that, as as well Could there as have many been different missing witnesses. documentation. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe we'll get into maybe. that. Maybe one of my parts. Great, 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 grand, wonderful. Uh, so as well as all the that kind of research, we also I think you said well you said you watched it uh, the documentary on Prime uh, Code Name Rendlesham. Yeah, I watched it until like fifteen minutes left because I had to come here. Mm, I get that <laughs> in the big gas. <laughs> it was a late night and I didn't want to stay up all night. Yeah. Fuck it. It was already fucking two in the morning. Sometime it was two in the morning. Yeah. 
Do you want a half awake, baggy eyed motherfucker? No. Oh, wait, you always get that. Never mind. Oh. Uh-huh. That's what caffeine's for. Put it in my veins. <laughs> yes. So let's start with the first we night. We did our best. The night that kicked off everything. On the night of December 26th at 2 a.m. in the morning, Airman John Burroughs and Supervisor Sergeant or Staff Sergeant SSGHD. SSGHD? I think that's, I think that's Staff Sergeant. I think so. Hey, Alicia. Is that Staff Sergeant? Cool. Yeah, Staff Sergeant. All right. Uh, <laughs> whatever his rank. Bud Steffens were riding around the base on patrol. While driving down the road toward the east gate, strange lights emanating from the forest caught Steffens' eye. He noted that whatever it is, it's in the forest. Wow. That's very, very Observant. astute. <laughs> it's, a, it's an astute motherfucker. <laughs> the two men opened the gate to allow access to the road that took Stop. them. Time. Oh, we're still recording. One of my clients was calling me dead center. Uh, fucking dead center. All the fucking times to call me. You can call me dead center, but don't call me <laughs> late for dinner. That's right. Call me to the left, call me to the right, but not dead in the middle of recording. Yeah. Leave a message. At the beep. Why? Who calls? <laughs> Who calls nowadays? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Don't Old call me. Old people. Well, he is 78. So. Oh, well, there you go. I guess <laughs> yeah. that makes sense then. Good on you. Good job, sir. He's got a phone. He never calls me, though. He always texts me. Just happened to call me. Anyways. Hopefully it was an emergency. <laughs> Sorry for stopping. I thought the camera stopped, though. Uh, but it didn't when the phone call comes. No, it does not. I didn't know that. Yep. I saw something about stopping, and I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was literally like you had just been shot. You went, Stop. <laughs> I have been shot in my buttocks. It was abrupt. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. So the two men, they're driving around base on patrol. Ah, yes. Uh, Two in the morning. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I coughed directly to clear (laughs) the throat into the microphone. It's all right. Uh, So um, what's his face? Steffens. He saw something out of the corner of his eye off outside of the gate in the woods. And uh, to him, it looked like a light coming down. In the woods, bobbing around. Gotcha. So, they decided to investigate a little further, so they drove over to the east gate. They opened the gate up, and uh, they said once you get out there, I saw some aerial maps. Once you get outside the east gate, you could turn left and go to Bentwater's base. This was at Woodbridge. I should specify that if I didn't. This was at Woodbridge. You could turn left, I think they said, to go to Bentwater's. And if you go right, it'll take you toward the public road, and then uh, an immediate left will take you in the... Eastward in the vicinity of where they saw the lights, which were in the woods. Right. Also, SS, all that. SS, uh, what was it? SSTRG? SSGHD. GHD. Well, whatever. It's Staff Sergeant. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, you did a thing? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. Talk to about talk to us about this floating fucker. So, they followed. <laughs> they they uh, left the gate. They went down the towards the public road, the mm-hmm. opposite way of Bentwaters. They went down through the woods. Um, and they drove on in search of whatever they could find. Mm-hmm. Uh, they followed the road all the way to the end and turned around and head back. And they didn't still, find Grandma's house. They didn't find Grandma's house. They didn't go over the creek, though. Nor the woods. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> I was reading the text. All right. <laughs> uh, Don't know so, why you didn't just do that in the beginning. <laughs> I bet. 
Um, Not you, him. Anyways. Okay. Poor friend. All, all right. right. All right. All right. Proceed. All right. all right. Proceeding. So they went all the way down the road, turned around and came back. They couldn't find the source of the light. Right. Because it was... <clears throat> we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> but they came back and... Uh, Burroughs turned off the car and stepped out looking for any sign, sound, clue of any kind of where the lights were they were chasing. With an uneasy feeling, at 2.50 a.m., the two men called it in, alerting security control that something strange was going on outside the back gate. Something is going on. Something's just not right. There it is. I forgot what I was for a minute there. <laughs> Responding to a, the alert, security supervisor, Sergeant Jim Peniston. Yes, sir. And Edward Cobbinsag. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. <laughs> We're dispatched to the men to assist and investigate. Mm-hmm. Immediately, Peniston too witnessed the lights, which seemed to have crashed to the forest floor in a ball of light. The same thing. Yeah. The same thing the two men had previously seen, but Peniston had a new insight. He said that the lights did not crash. They landed. Oh. From here, Burroughs, Peniston, and Covensag left their weapons with Stefan's and proceeded on foot into the woods, ah. searching for answers. Why'd they leave their weapons? Exactly. I feel like... Oh, you don't... Oh. Oh, are you... I do know why. Oh, speak. Uh, because they were in foreign territory and they can't carry their weapons, otherwise it's deemed an act of war. Something, That's something, interesting. Something to do with that, yeah. Okay. That so makes, they had to leave their yeah. weapons. That's pretty cool. Well, not cool, but you know what I mean. I do, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And... It's it's Britain though, so I don't know how it. But anyways, yeah, it was something to do with that that okay. I read. All right. I didn't write it down because it wasn't my day. You didn't need to write it down. I, I kind of remember. Yeah, I have a thing called a memory. It's it's a little shady and shoddy at times. It's getting to that age. You know? <laughs> We're a little bit off of thirty six now. Oof, I know that means I'm a little bit off of twenty seven. There it is. <laughs> Couldn't gross. Couldn't remember your age. No. We're not of that age yet. No. That's that's what, 50, 60? Yeah, I forgot. Well, anyways, for a minute. I'm sorry. It's okay. So they left their weapons and uh proceeded on foot into the woods. Remaining at the forest edge with Steffens was Master Sergeant G D Chandler. He set up a radio relay with security to closely monitor the situation. Tag your the trio on foot. <laughs> Sorry. <were> se- <laughs> the trio on foot were searching the wooded area in a semi-spread out line. Yeah. They chased the strange distant light for roughly a mile eastward toward a nearby farm. It is worth noting that the Orford Ness Lighthouse mm-hmm. is in the very same direction. It sure is. From here, details grow a little murky. Original witness statements given in the days following the chase say that the men followed the bouncing light for two miles before realizing it was probably the lighthouse and returning back. Now, this was the original witness statement given to um, the man that we'll get to shortly here, who was yep. in charge of the base. Um, this was a few days following the incident. Gotcha. But subsequent interviews after state the following, mainly from Jim Penniston. Uh, main, the, the main um, differences come from Jim Penniston's account. Right. Um, who witnessed something much different than the other two men. They grew closer to the source of the lights, which illuminated the forest. From here, they could finally see the object. Burroughs witnessed a collage, Jim Burroughs, that is, John Burroughs, that is, witnessed a collage of lights seemingly emitting from um, a reddish-orange circular light. Underneath, various bright-colored lights danced danced out of it below. 
all in a triangular-shaped configuration. He claims he never saw a physical craft, only lights. Right. Now, in this different variation of the story uh, of their account, um, they said that they actually found where the craft touched down, where the lights touched down. And uh, as they approached it, they were about 50 meters away or so. Yeah. Um, the two men, Burroughs and Cabin Sag, I believe, uh, saw the light itself and just the light. And mm-hmm. they actually drew some pictures of the lights that they saw. Um, however, though, Penniston could make out the now notorious evidence from the sighting, the object itself. He describes seeing a triangular metallic object through the trees with the lights with which the lights came from from about 50 meters away. As he approached closer, as all the men approached closer, right. the lights suddenly grew extremely bright and rose up above the trees and flew off away from them. Now, all of them said they saw that? Yes. Same exact thing? Yeah. Sounds they like said, the lighthouse to me. Huh? Sounds like the lighthouse to me. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they said that uh, it grew extremely bright and mm-hmm. they dove onto the ground and they watched it. Uh, ascend yeah. to the tree line, and then... We heard about what happened to that guy named Travis Walton. We're not going to be next. <laughs> it was after that. <laughs> it was. Uh, some sources claim that the men could hear the animals, while well, the men even claim this. Right. Um, it flew off in the direction of the nearby farm, which I'm not sure it'll... I think it'll come up in both of our stuff yes, a little it bit does. more. Um, it flew in the direction of the nearby farm, and uh, all of the animals on the farm started to go wild in a frenzy mm-hmm. immediately after this. Um, Did it illuminate the barn there too, or is it just the second night? I think it was. I, they were shrouded in trees and stuff. Um, so some of the maps say that the crash site was in the woods. Others one said that it was right outside the woods in the empty farm field. Yeah, but it was between a mile and two miles away from the base. Gotcha. So after this, they decided to go back uh, at four a.m. local time. No sleep for these guys. Fucking stupid. At four a.m., local police were called in to investigate. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Uh, no, it was actually, it was 4 a.m. Antarctic time. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't even know what time that would be. Yep. Their expert <laughs> analysis and conclusion, the police that is, was that the light seen was just from the nearby Orford Nest Lighthouse a few mm-hmm. miles away. They provided little help with investigating the incident and did not pursue it any further than logistically necessary. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. no. speak. I was going to say they also said that the, the, um, Landing spot uh, were just made by the the marks on the ground were made by uh, animals. Yeah, rabbits. Yeah, rabbit. I didn't rabbits. know if you were gonna get that. Sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, I didn't know when we were talking about it. I was gonna chime in at some point with it. Well, my police or mine doesn't have the police card. Okay, so yes, uh, you're correct. It, they did say that rabbits also um, broken trees, uh, tree branches, and mm-hmm. quote unquote burn marks. Um, those were all attributed to the loggers in the area for uh, marking the trees and chopping them down. Right. Um, but they also said that these men, I also read something that said that these men were um, uh, recently um, sent to the station to the base, so they were not super familiar with the area, um, and, uh, specifically, say, a lighthouse that is a few miles away on the coast. Right. Um, but... I don't know where I was going with that. But, yeah, I mean, the oh, that was the other thing. is, And then they said that they might not be familiar with the methods of how the loggers were, you know. So it could right. just be attributed. They they found a spot. And, I didn't know that about the loggers. That's yeah. a new, new yeah. one for me. Yep. Um, so the, the 
Police provided little help with investigating the incident and did not pursue it any further. When dawn came, a team was sent out to inspect the site under daylight. There they found what appeared to be a set of landing marks in the spot the object had was seen stationary. Spoiler. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <what's up? laughs> Maybe I did write it all. <laughs> Sorry. Three small impressions in the ground, burn marks, and broken tree branches were enough to convince everyone that something did indeed take place here hours prior. Everyone on the base, that is. Mm -hmm. The original witness statements from the men only describe chasing lights through the woods to an open field after watching it, quote-unquote, touch down in the woods. They ceased their chase two miles in on foot and gave up after the light supposedly flew out of sight. The rest of the info has been added to their accounts in later interviews. Now, I um, haven't mentioned Charles Halt yet. Right. Um, deputy, deputy base commander. I think was his official title, but basically Lieutenant was, Colonel Charles Holt. Okay. But I think he was deputy base commander. Probably. Yeah. Island. So uh, we'll talk briefly on it later about his, the Holt memo. Um, but basically it's, uh, we'll explain it later, but it's a summary of the events and uh, to report to his higher ups. And this was his official report from that first night. Yeah. Early in the morning of uh, 27th of December of 1980, which is the wrong day, which we'll talk about later, two U.S. Air Force security police patrolmen saw unusual lights outside the back gate at RAF Woodbridge. Thinking an aircraft might have crashed or been forced down, they called for permission to go outside the gate to investigate. The on-duty flight chief responded and allowed three patrolmen to proceed on foot. The individuals reported seeing a strange glowing object in the forest. The object was described as being metallic in appearance and triangular in shape, triangular, approximately two to three meters across the base and approximately two meters high. It illuminated the entire forest with a white light. The object itself had a pulsing red light on top and a bank or banks of blue lights underneath. The object was hovering or on legs and disappeared. As the patrolman approached the object, it maneuvered through the trees and disappeared. At this time, the animals at a nearby farm went into a frenzy. The object was briefly sighted approximately an hour later near the back gate. So apparently an elephant at that farm. Apparently. So that is uh, that is the Holt memo, which, yeah. again, will come up later. But that was the end of the first night. Mm. Do you want? Oh, talk? there was a second night. Do you want to talk <clears throat> in the evidence uh, area section about... Um, what significant things were happening during the same exact time uh, at night, or do you want to talk about it now? Uh, if you want to talk about it at the evidence section. Yep, that's what I figured. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, as Lennon just said, that was the end of day one. Let's go to night three, which is actually the second night, which is very confusing. It but is. It's very confusing. Let's dive into the second night of Rendlesham Forest incident, which occurred on December 28th, 1980. Not December 29th. As Colonel Holt yeah. wrote down, wrong again. you tricky son of a bitch. And involved a group of United States Air Force personnel led by Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt. Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt, I salute you, sir, also recorded his observations and impressions on a microcassette recorder, which later became known as the Holt Tape. We will listen to some excerpts, or excerpts, or excerpts, from, <laughs> from the Holt Tape, to go along with the description of what happened during night two. Mm. Now, the group of men arrived at the crash site from the night earlier, well, two nights earlier, and brought with them a Geiger counter, 
to measure the radiation levels at the site, a light all, which is a portable generator with a floodlight to illuminate the area. They had some trouble with the light all, though, and had to send someone back to get another one. In the meantime, they used the Geiger counter to scan the area and found high levels of radiation. What they said was high levels of radiation, especially near the three small circular depressions on the ground that formed a triangular pattern. Now, mm-hmm. their description of those circles were kind of three inches deep mm-hmm. and perfect, perfect circle. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, That's a throwback. I know. I had to, had to throw it back. We're about to get a big throwback on Patreon. But I wanted to say that uh, just because of the whole animal causing it, perfect circle. Yeah. Just wanted to bring it up. It's a little strange. Maybe. Maybe it wasn't. Who knows? These were the suspected landing marks of the UFO. They recorded some elevated radiation that they suspected was a residual effect of the UFO. Now, here's a short clip from that uh, th- that tape, that, that recording. Uh-huh. We found a small blast, what looks like a blasted or scrubbed up area here. We're getting very positive readings. Let's see, is that here the center? Yes, it is. This is what we would assume would be the dead center. Just make it up more as you go along the whole area here now. The seven tenths? Or seven. Seven units, let's call it on the point five scale. Okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we make a sweep? Here, I've got the gloves on now. Let's make a sweep out around the whole area, about 10 foot out, make a perimeter run around it. Starting right back here at the corner, back at the same first corner where we came in. Let's go right back here. Don't let it depend upon you counting the clicks. Okay, let's close it. Yeah, it gets then I can put the light on it and sweep around it. It was flat. Put it on the ground every once in a while. This looks like an abrasion on the chair. Okay, we'll catch that on the way back. Let's go around. One back, hit it there. I got the interest right over here. It looks like an abrasion points into the center. To it is. It may be old though. There's some set marks or something on it. Let's go on back around. Alright. Yeah, this is an awkward thing to use, isn't it? Oh, see, I've carried on all my ears, but this one broke. Yeah, I'm going to shift to your quarter off before we find something. Picking up? What are we up to? We're up to two, three units. Deflection, you're getting in close to one pod. Picking up something here. Picking up. Okay, it's still not going above three or four units. Picking up more, though. More frequent. 
Yes, you're staying, you're, you're staying steady up around two to three to four units now. Incredible. So that was the first clip. Now you heard... Um, oh, good. The, still recording. I was worried what was going to happen there. So you heard them <clears throat> talking about how it was awkward. And yeah. yeah. They were using... <clears throat> they were using a military grade, like what you would use in a radioactive place. Yeah, for like one of those ones explosion you, type. Of exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and the readings they had were actually on the like the lowest it can read on that yeah. meter. So, it's important um, to note because we cover both sides here. I'm trying to. Now then, nope. Uh, do you have any? Sorry, discussion. If any, do you have anything <laughs> to add on that one? That's uh, the least like the, the main talk. That was Charles Holt, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. The one you can hear loud and clear, Charles Holt. The That's other I one, I can't remember who the other one was. I'm sorry. It's all good. There was another guy you can hear pretty clear, and he's a different guy. Yeah. No, Obviously. <laughs> I could I could literally listen to that shit for hours. I think it's just so fascinating to me. That, and piecing it in my head of how they're doing all this and thinking, like, these guys are out in the woods mm-hmm. in the middle of the night with fucking, like, instruments measuring this UFO landing. So this was the basic and the easiest one. Mm-hmm. Longest one of the first five, mm-hmm. but it, it's the least um, strange, if mm-hmm. you will. It's just yeah. they're doing little readings. Now we get like, to the ones. Just that imagine be, being part of that. But you're going to hear their genuine reaction to it and what they saw in live time mm-hmm. on those recordings, which I think is cool. It's it's very cool. I, I but yeah, that was just like, to kind of set the the groundwork of yeah, what set they were the doing. tone a little bit. Yeah. Get a nice little jab in. Yeah, also give you a little idea of what it's going to sound like for the next four clips. Dope. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so basic, nothing really to, to it's discuss just slightly there. elevated radiation levels. Exactly, from background. Now, they then observed some interesting abrasions on the on multiple trees that they seemed to indicate the craft damaged some trees. Yeah. In the process of landing mm-hmm. or taking off or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now, they kind of mentioned the abrasions in the actual recording. I think your headphone is off at that moment asking me a question. But they, they mentioned it and it was facing the... Inside, like where the craft was. Okay. And um, he kind of halt, just kind of passed it off as it looks like an old mark. Mm. So they recorded some heat or energy coming from the abrasions, though, on the tree. He notes all the abrasions are all facing the direction of the landing site. Now, here's a clip from that part of the uh, taping. Okay, the, the sample, you're going to mark this sample number one. Have them cut off and include some of that sap and all. Is between indentation two and three on a pine tree about uh, about five feet away, about three and a half feet off the ground. There's a round abrasion on the tree about uh, three and a half, four inches in diameter. It looks like it might be old, but uh, strange as a crystalline pine sap is coming out that fast. You see Indentations look like something twisted as it got, you know, as it sat down on them. 
Looks like someone took something and sat it down and twisted it from side to side. Mm-hmm. Very strange. We're looking at the same tree we took the sample off with this, what do you call it, star scope? Uh-huh, star scope. Getting, getting a definite heat reflection off the tree, about, about three to four feet off the ground. Yes, where the same spot is. It's same place where the spot is. We're getting the heat. And the spot on the tree directly behind us, I picked up the same thing. Right. Uh, three trees in the area, immediately adjacent to the site, within 10 feet of the suspected landing site. We're picking up heat reflection off the trees. So, yeah. <clears throat> now, they talked a little bit about the landing, the, the spots on the ground, mm-hmm. and how it looked like something twisted. But most of that was just on the the tree mm-hmm. yeah. and all the abrasions and... and uh, Sorry, I think I jumped the uh, gun there on the energy signature, yeah. energy heat signature coming. That's in the next clip. So, oh. <laughs> surprise! <laughs> gotcha! <laughs> but all of the damage from the trees, all were facing. facing the actual landing site. As well as the clicks they were talking about was the Geiger counter. Mm-hmm. None on the back, all on the front of the tree where the abrasions were. Which is... Well, the front, let me phrase that. The front being the front... The, the part of the tree that's it's facing the landing yeah. spot. So yeah. on the back of it, nothing. On the front where the abrasions were, a uh, couple clicks. I, I didn't. I don't think they actually mentioned how many clicks though. Mm-hmm. I get so, you. There's a little elevated radiation from it, like something mm-hmm. blasted some energy onto it. What's <laughs> your a thoughts little on energy that one? blasting? I like energy blasting. Thoughts? Uh, very cool. That it. I fucking always say that. I'm gonna take that You're out. Fine. Uh, my thought is that it's c- consistent, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it's only on the stuff facing inward um, towards the triangular landing zone. If it was like, oh, I get on the outside of it too, then it's like, yeah, I guess that's just normal then. But kind of leads credence to a, a craft of a landing there or something right abnormal there. But I also think it's interesting that they're all facing the landing site. Exactly. Now, they don't say if it's in a circular pan or if it's all just like one, which still could be loggers if it's all in a line mm-hmm. of trees. They don't say how high it well, they did. Three meters high. Anyways, yeah. <clears throat> I just listened to the fucking clip and I fucking forgot. <laughs> all right. Now, I got to figure out where the fuck I am. Okay. So the descriptions are about it. Sorry. They then direct their attention to where the UFO landed on the forest, which you kind of got um, into a little bit mm-hmm. with the, it looks like a twisted in the ground. Uh, they take some readings from around that area and also notice the same heat signature or energy on the ground that they examined on the abrasions of the tree. Hey, this is Erie. Yes, there is definitely. That's not a center spot. There is an after effect. 
They then direct their attention to where the UFO landed in the forest floor. They take some readings from around the area. They also notice that the same heat signature... I just read that. Sorry, I meant to read the one below that. Ah. Halt measured the size and depth of the depressions and found it to be about six inches in diameter and half an inch deep. Sorry, I misspoke on that earlier. This gives us some idea of the size and weight of the supposed UFO, or at least of its landing gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and the center spot when they were talking about the heat signature was you take the three triangles, center spot of the triangles. Yeah. So anything on that one? That nope. stuck out to you? Uh, except for the guy that kept walking through the scene. <laughs> He's like, why don't we, you know, not walk all over it? Just step back for a minute. Jackass. What, are you new to this? <laughs> Gotta stay true to this. They then see a strange small red light coming from the clearing that seems to move erratically. They notice that the radiation levels see- increase as it gets closer to the as it gets closer. As they get closer to the light, mm-hmm. indicating that there's some kind of connection between the light and radiation. They see other colored lights that seem to be changing shape and moving in different directions. They are baffled by what they are seeing, and they wonder if they are witnessing some kind of intelligent communication or display. They made a note of the barnyard animals being loud until the light showed up, and then they fell silent, um, which you also kind of alluded to the loudness of them, Mm -hmm. not the silence of them. Mm -hmm. Now this one... Uh, just for the record on the clips, most of them, I, I clipped a little of the dead air out. Mm-hmm. That's why if you hear a little jump for a second, it's like, well, you don't need 10 seconds of dead air. Right. They're already long enough. This is another, uh, it's a three-minute one. Um, so, and it's about seeing the lights. We're hearing very strange sounds out of the farmer's barnyard animals. It's very, very active, making an awful lot of noise. This is a pigmentation. You just saw a light where? Wait, I'm going to slow down. Where? Right on this position here, straight ahead, in between the tree. There it is again. Watch, straight ahead off my flash right there. So there it is. Hey, I see it too. What is it? We don't know, sir. So, yeah, can I get some of Yeah, it's a strange, small red light. Looks to be out maybe a quarter to a half mile, maybe further out. I switch off. The light is gone now. It was approximately 120 degrees from the site. Is it back again? Yes, sir. Oh, that's flashlight set. Let's move out to the edge of the clearing so we can get a better look at it. See if you can get the star scope on it. The light's still there, and all the binary animals have gotten quiet now. We just run into the first night bird we've seen. We're about 150 or 200 yards from the site. Everything else is just deathly calm. There's no doubt about it. There's some type of strange flashing red light ahead. There's yellow. I saw a yellow tinge in it, too. Weird. It, it, it appears that he may be moving a little bit this way. It's, it's brighter than it has been. Yellow. It's coming this way. It is definitely coming this way. Pieces of it are shooting off. There's no doubt about it. This is weird. Okay. Keep flashlights off. There's something very, very strange. 
get the headset on. See if it gets any stronger. Okay. Give us, give us a right now. It's on a beta reading, too. It's on a beta reading? Okay. The still has been removed. Okay. This is what's falling off it again. It just moved to the right. Yeah. right. Strange. Oh, well, it went left. Let's approach to the edge of the woods up there. Can you want to do all that lights? Let's do it carefully. Come on. Okay, we're looking at the thing. We're probably about two to 300 yards away. It looks like an eye winking at you. It's still moving from side to side. And when you put the star scope on it, it, it sort of has a hollow center, a dark center. It's, it's you know, like a pupil of an eye looking at you and winking. And the flash is so bright to the star scope that uh, it almost burns your eye. Last confirmer is Allison across in the next field. Now we have multiple sightings of up to five lights with a similar shape and all, but they seem to be steady now rather than a pulsating or glow with a red flash. We just crossed the, the creek and uh, we're getting what kind of readings notes. Getting through three good clicks on the meter and we're seeing strange lights in the sky. First off, I think we had some radiation readings on our <laughs> recording there. I don't know what happened. That that wasn't um, intentional. Wow, that, that also wasn't there yesterday when I was listening to this. It's weird. I'm putting it together. Uh, anyways, um, can I can I and tell you another strange noise that they heard while strange. this was all happening? <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> Yes, that is common theory and thought that it's yeah. the lighthouse. And it kept going side to side, then it was gone, and then it would go side to side, and then it was gone. It was blinking. But the question I have is the five lights thing. And, well, we'll talk about mm -hmm. the beam in a second. But the five lights, mm -hmm. a lighthouse doesn't have five lights. No. So what could explain that? Right, exactly. You know, one of those. Strange. It, it follows, as we'll talk about a little later, follows the lighthouse with the blinking and, mm -hmm. and all that. But it doesn't follow it in terms of how it's splitting off and turning into five mm -hmm. lights of different color. Um, Shooting. But, I mean, well, that's next. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it is it is very strange. So, yeah, any other strange things you heard? No. I'm excited about, to hear the other strange things. What about the animals, though, falling silent when the light showed up? That's a very common thing. Is With the UFOs. But if it's the lighthouse house, what could explain it? corresponding with the light yeah that's... also why is this fucking light not constantly being seen why did they just notice it right. they weren't moving away from the actual scene mm -hmm. until they saw the light yeah then they're moving away yeah does right. that make sense yeah just mm. things that's trying strange. to play both sides that's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah it's not strange it's strange this is strange <laughs> he's a good good guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry just can't get his dates right so Halt and his men see yeah. a bright object, like an eye, blinking at them, that appears to wink at them. If I just read the note, it would be cool. <laughs> and send down a beam of light coming down from the sky and landing at their feet, as well as the RAF Woodbridge base, where they store nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. Okay, here, here he comes from the south. He's coming toward us now. Now we're observing what appears to be a beam coming down to the ground. This is unreal. 330, and the objects are still in the sky, although the one to the side looks like it's losing a little bit of altitude. We're turning around and heading back toward uh, the base. The object to the side, the object to the side is still beaming down lights to the ground. 
4,400 hours, one object still hovering over Woodbridge Base at about 5 to 10 degrees off the horizon, still moving erratic and similar lights and beaming down this area. Turn the notifications off and they still fucking come on. Doop. <laughs> That was not part of the recording. That was my fucking computer. All right, well, sorry you, about that. Anything about that one, you? Uh, Other than, it's coming from the south. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that, that was good. I, I, I just, I love the idea of just these guys just down the ones at night, just like, look at that fucking light. <laughs> and they're taking like all of the data that they can, as much as you can on something like a random right. light. And then it's like, <clears throat> it's it's just, I, I'm enjoying listening to it. Yeah. Okay. So, again, it talks about multiple lights, one of them sinking to mm-hmm. the of the ground. It talks about a beam of light coming down from the actual light down to the ground, kind mm-hmm. of like a spotlight, we'll call it. Yep. Um, thoughts on all that? As well as where it hit, obviously, hit well, the base. It hit that's the, uh, not a lighthouse. <laughs> exactly. That's This is the issue I'm having. Exactly. One account matches the lighthouse. The other time when they're talking about the lights... It couldn't be a lighthouse. Right, exactly. So, uh, I don't know what to think. This is why it is controversial. And, mm, yes. But the whole 18-minute clip in its entirety will be posted on our YouTube channel um, the day this episode is released. I'll be about 5 Good. o'clock, 5 p.m. I'll release it. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> well, we <laughs> I'm excited. So it is 18 minutes. It's the clip I found. It's actually four fucking hours, apparently, of oh, actual shit. investigation. That's fun. But I'm glad it was only an 18-minute clip I had to listen to. Hmm. So, the encounter lasted for several hours until the lights faded and the group returned to the base. It faded, went away, they didn't see it again. Mm-hmm. Again, can a lighthouse fade, go away, and not see it again? Usually it goes all night. Mm-hmm. Does it go during the day, too? Only if it's foggy, like I would assume. Okay. Anyways, Holt wrote a memo to the MOD about the incident, which was released by the U.S. government in 1983 and sparked public interest in the case. The memo was also confirmed by other witnesses, such as Sergeant Jim Penniston and Airman John Burroughs, who were part of the first night encounter. The halt tape remains a key piece of evidence in the Rendlesham Forest incident, and this would later become one of the most well-known UFO incidents. What happened after that? Well, the events of those nights remained hidden from the public for years following. But days, only days after it occurred, rumors began to fly around of a strange incident in the Rendlesham Woods. Amateur astronomers recorded seeing bright fireballs in the sky attributed to a meteor shower, with the peak brightest explosions being recorded at 2.50 a.m. on the 26th, the exact same time that they saw their stuff. Locals whispered at their, of their sightings off the base, Animals affected by the nights and some secret stories began to leak out from the base. Stories such as the ones described to UFO researchers on New Year's Eve, just days after. In 1983, under the Freedom of Information Act, the U.S. released what is now known as the Holt Memo, as you just said. Two weeks after the incident occurred, Deputy Base Commander Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt wrote a memorandum chronicling the events of the three nights titled Unexplained Lights. The memo's purpose was to inform the RAF liaison officer for the two bases, Donald Moreland, on the events that unfolded between the 26th and 28th. But, uh oh, the problem was, and still is to this day, the royal butt. 
that in the memo, Holt got the days wrong. He said the events happened from the 27th to the 29th, not the 26th to the 28th, as we know. Now, how do we know that they happened the 26th and the 27th, or 26th and 28th? How do we know? Please report. Yes. Sorry, I was hoping you would grab that. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a trick question. No, okay, it was a trick. I'm question. sorry about that. I took it as a trick question. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the police report yeah. <laughs> was for the 26th. Exactly. Yeah. My fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, don't I look like an idiot? <laughs> oh. He's like, yeah. <laughs> the police report. Yep. Well, anyway, the, uh, this led investigators to initially begin searching radar records. Eyewitness counts and so on under the wrong days. The other problem with the memo is that it was written two weeks after the events. It was simply meant to inform, not to alert. Yeah, it, he looked really worried that UFO was landing, though, didn't he? He's like, ah, we want you to stay on vacation. Don't worry about yeah, it. Don't right, worry about it. Right, the guy that he was writing to. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, fucked you up again, <laughs> it's okay. He did sound a little concerned in the tapes, though, or a little bit like, "Oh, this is fucking weird." But yeah, I mean, doesn't mean something didn't come at him right after saying, "Don't fucking disclose" or something. Right, you exactly. never know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to elaborate, it seemed more of a courtesy. Uh, hey, by the way, this happened. Thought you should know. The Ministry of Defense, as well as skeptics to this day, feel that had there been a real emergency situation thought to be a threat. Holt would have sounded the alarm and scrambled some fighters, none of which happened. The instant inconsistency of dates, as well as the lack of follow-up by any overseeing jurisdiction, points many in the direction of a cover-up. But could the boring logistics and paperwork be the real key to why this incident did not get taken more seriously? Hmm. The release of the Holt memo broke the story to the world where it spread like wildfire in a News of the World front-page headline story entitled UFO Lands in Suffolk, and that's official. They're here. Uh, they're here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're here, they're here. They're here, yeah, yeah. From here on, the incident would reach a level of fame on par with Roswell, sparking countless documentaries, books, investigations, podcast episodes for oh. years to come. <laughs> with the fame, too, came the questions. The public began pressuring the Ministry of Defense to give their info and answers, and in 2001, the Ministry of Defense's file on, Rendl on the Rendlesham incident was released to the public. And given its size, it led many to believe uh, that a substantial amount of information had been collected by the Ministry and withheld for decades. But when examined in depth, it was revealed that the bulk of the file consisted of internal communications, public inquiries, and internal inquiries to cross-examine, fact-check, and everything in between. Right. This bolstered the original sentiment expressed by the Ministry of Defense on the matter. Damn it, Lennon, we've been swindled. We have been. It's in, it's insignificant and not to be taken seriously. There is or was no threat. It was also determined by the Ministry of Defense that, as per Holt's own words, the matter needed no further investigation as a piloted craft touching down seemed very unlikely given the evidence his own investigation found at the scene. But to this day, the truth about what happened in the woods that night remains shrouded in mystery and continues to divide skeptics and believers. It does, and as in most, almost every case, uh, you have two sides of the coin to look at. Mm -hmm. Evidence supporting 
as well as the evidence against or the logical explanation, as we've already kind of touched on for the events. Yeah. So let's look, take a look at both of these sides. Let's <coughs> do it, shall we? So, in favor, Iri Hiri. <laughs> Most of the witnesses were trained in experienced military personnel who had no reason to lie or exaggerate about what they saw. They reported seeing similar features, such as a triangle or diamond-shaped object with red, blue, and white lights and strange symbols on its surface. Mm-hmm. They also described similar effects, such as feeling heat, static, tingling sensations, or having difficulty communicating or using their equipment. They would be able to tell the difference between a lighthouse and intelligent lights moving around, you would hope. You would hope. <laughs> Especially with the multiple lights, though, too. Again, yeah. I want to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get in the final thoughts. I'll talk about everything. The radiation readings taken by Holt's teams were higher than normal background levels and indicated a nuclear reaction or a powerful energy source. Let me rephrase that. And may indicate a nuclear reaction or a powerful energy source. The landing marks found in the forest were consistent with a heavy craft, supposedly, mm-hmm. and showed signs of scorching and compression. The plaster casts taken of the marks were not lost or destroyed, but were confiscated by authorities. Mm-hmm. The Orford Ness Lighthouse was not visible from the base or the forest and could not account for the movement, shape, or color of the objects. Uh, the, the meteor, stars, and satellites could not explain the erratic behavior, the low altitude, or the interaction of the objects. The animals, vehicles, or military exercises could not produce the sounds, the radiation, or the physical traces of the objects. Uh, remember, this is just all four right now. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to the against in a second. No, you're good. To this day, none of the witnesses have admitted or suggested that they were involved in a hoax or a prank, and they have maintained their story for over 40 years. The evidence, such as the binary code allegedly received by Penniston, or the photographs allegedly taken by Halt were not revealed or produced years after the incident and were supposedly kept secret or suppressed by the authorities. Lights seen during Christmas, you already touched, so. Mm -hmm. But they were seen by many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was the four, if you want to go over the four, where the ufologists always go, well, let's go with the skeptics now. Here are some of the things skeptics of the Rendition Forest incident bring up to prove that it wasn't a UFO incident. <clears throat> Again, we've already discussed a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So some of the witnesses have changed or embellished their stories over time, and some have contradicted each other on key details, such as the size, shape, and movement of the objects. Some of the witnesses may have been influenced by psychological factors, such as suggestion, expectation, mm-hmm. or fear. Hmm. One famous account that I'm sure almost everyone knows about, that changed and was embellished over the years, was that of... Jim Penniston. Yes, sir. He would later report that the UFO was a triangular craft with strange symbols on the surface, and that when he touched it, he felt a surge of energy and received a binary code message in his mind. He said that he wrote down the code in a notebook and later decoded it with the help of a computer. He said that the message was a set of coordinates and a cryptid 
and a cryptic, not a cryptid, mm-hmm. <laughs> statement that you get a Bigfoot friend. <laughs> yes, <laughs> call him pizzazz. <laughs> statement that said, exploration of humanity, continuous for planetary advance, fourth coordinate, continuance time. Sure, makes perfect sense. <laughs> Always. He also said that the experience. Sorry. He also said that he experienced some physical and psychological effects after the incident, such as nightmares, visions, and health problems. Now, Penniston's story has been met with skepticism and criticism by many people who have not scrolled down like I did, (laughs) who have pointed out several inconsistencies and contradictions of his account. For example, some of the other witnesses who were with him that night did not see or touch the UFO. And did not recall him writing down any code in his notebook. Some of the symbols that he drew from the UFO were similar to those of an ancient Celtic art, which he may have seen before. You don't know. Could have. Possibly. Could have been. Maybe. The binary code that he decoded was not consistent with any known encoding scheme, and the coordinates that he obtained were not accurate or meaningful. The statement that he received was vague and ambiguous. I don't think he received the statement. I think he gave it. Um, Ambiguous and could have been influenced by his own beliefs or expectations. And some of the effects afterwards that he reported could have been caused by stress, trauma, or other various factors of him being, you know, vision problems, nightmares, health problems, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So there's one case of not mistaken identity, but, you know, uh, changing stories, embellishing. Mm-hmm. Now, the radiation readings taken by the Holt team were not significantly higher than normal background levels and could have been caused by a natural source such as radon gas, um, if there's any in the area, of course. The landing marks found in the forest were not consistent with a heavy craft as they were only a half inch deep. And if it was a heavy craft, you would think it would compress a little more. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Never never flew a heavy craft before. Uh, yeah, me <laughs> And could have been made by animals or forestry workers. Like a rabbit. Like a rabbit or a lumberjack. I'm a lumberjack! No, the rabbit is the forestry worker. <laughs> <laughs> he's both. He has his flannel on and he's taking down trees. <laughs> Just carrying a bale of eggs. I'm going to AI art that motherfucking <laughs> implant. <laughs> he's got <laughs> Lumberjack rabbit. <laughs> Uh, the plaster casts taken <laughs> of the marks were lost or destroyed. His name is Jack. Lumberjack. Uh, Jack the Lumberjack Rabbit. <laughs> Jack Rabbit. Oh. So, some of the witnesses have admitted or suggested that they were involved in a hoax or prank, either to fool their colleagues or to test their reaction. Now, this one contradicts the other one. Mm-hmm. Like, was there or was not? I couldn't find any accounts, but the skeptics say there are. Yep. Um, some of the evidence, such as the binary code allegedly received by Penniston or the photograph allegedly taken by Holt, were revealed or produced years after the incident and could have been fabricated or manipulated, mm-hmm. like Lennon's balls. Some of the lights seen in the forest... What the fuck did that come from? <laughs> what the hell did I do? <laughs> Motherfucker. Some of the lights seen in the forest could have been caused by the Orford, sorry, Orford Ness Lighthouse, which was visible from the base and the forest... Mm-hmm. And again, was it visible from the forest or not? It has it both ways. You have skeptics saying it was. Mm-hmm. You have non-skeptics saying it wasn't. 
I need I to go there and find out, I guess. All right, we're taking an England trip. Even though the forest is completely different now. It is. It's overgrown. Because <laughs> this was a recently like planted, like three or four years earlier, forest. So mm-hmm. um, some of the objects seen in the sky could have been caused by meteors, stars, or satellites. Some of the noises heard in the forest could have been caused by animals, vehicles, or military exercises. Mm-hmm. So you just have people combating each other on the it's same. It's so controversial. But it's the same, um, yeah, uh, points. But one side says this, the other side says that. So yeah. that is for and against. Lennon, you said you had something for the against? I did. I was just, I think most of it. We'll talk about it in final thoughts. Oh, okay. You didn't have anything for the against. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it was the meteor stuff earlier. Oh, okay. There was also right. a um, a Russian satellite. Um, Sputnik. It no. finally came down. No. <laughs> it was the uh, uh, a part of it that goes back into reentry after, you know, it's a thrust or a boost or gotcha. whatever falls off. Can't remember which part of it. But confirmed that night at the same time there was. Which night? There's two. 26th. Okay. There, this doesn't count for the 28th then. All right. No. There was um, it, the piece of it fell to earth and crashed in the um, eastern mm-hmm. in the, uh, channel next to England there in the yes. same direction and area that they saw in the same time. So there was that. Yes. It doesn't still explain the multiple lights on No. It doesn't. It do, does not explain so it, everything. For example, we're going to take a second is what I'm trying to say. Okay. We're going to listen to a testimony in the Citizens Hearing on UFO Disclosure. This is Nick Pope. It is a six-minute little um, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to add it so that you heard. The beginning is basically just overview of what the fuck we talked about. Mm-hmm. I probably could have cut it, but I wanted to keep it in its entirety so that everybody heard everything. So okay. stick with it. Stick with it. We'll okay. give it a shot. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair, um, fellow committee members. Uh, my name is Nick Pope, formerly of the British Ministry of Defence. I had responsibility for the UFO issue from 1991 to 1994. And with your permission, I'm just going to read a, a brief statement onto the record. The United Kingdom's best known and most compelling UFO incident is a series of sightings that occurred in December 1980 and are collectively known as either the Rendlesham Forest incident or the Bentwaters incident. The sightings took place near the twin, base, the twin military bases of Bentwaters and Woodbridge. These were bases in the United Kingdom operated by the United States Air Force. There were several dozen military witnesses, the most senior of whom was the deputy base commander, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt. I'll give a brief summary of events as I see them before focusing on events, aspects of the case on which I have more direct knowledge. On December 26, 1980, two members of the United States Air Force, my colleagues John Burroughs and Jim Peniston here, who had been sent to investigate a, a suspected crashed civilian aircraft, encountered an unknown craft which had apparently landed in a small clearing. One of them got close enough to see strange hieroglyphic symbols on the side and indeed to touch it. The craft rose slowly above the trees and then accelerated away at great speed. A subsequent analysis of the landing site showed indentations in the ground, scorch marks on the sides of the trees, and radiation levels which the Ministry of Defense's Defense Intelligence staff assessed as being significantly higher than the average background. And the committee will have a small pack of of papers including that Defense Intelligence staff assessment. The UFO was briefly tracked on military radar, 
Two nights later, the UFO returned and fired light beams at the deputy base commander and a small team of men who had gone to investigate. It later fired light beams at a particularly sensitive area of the military base. Though these events happened many years before I joined the Ministry of Defence, it was a case that was raised with me on numerous occasions during my time working on MOD's UFO project between 1991 and 1994. It was certainly the case on which I received most inquiries from UK parliamentarians, from the media and indeed from the public. So as to be able to better respond to these questions, I not only read all the relevant papers on the case, but also launched a retrospective review of the incident, something akin to what the police would call a cold case review. Subsequent to this, I've met in a private capacity most of the witnesses to this incident. Investigations by the United Kingdom were inconclusive. I do not know the results of the US investigations because as the MOD documents released under the UK's Freedom of Information Act show, some evidence was removed by the US authorities without informing the British government. Specifically, the MOD case file reveals, and the committee members will have this document too, that shortly after the incident, General Gabrielle visited the twin bases of Bentwaters and Woodbridge, was briefed on the incident, and took various items relating to the investigation back to his headquarters in Ramstein, Germany. At the time, General Gabrielle hold, held the post of Commander-in-Chief, United States Air Force in Europe. The MOD document concerned, though carefully worded, leaves little doubt that the UK authorities were less than pleased with evidence being removed in this way, with the MOD not being informed at the time, and not, so far as I'm aware, being briefed subsequently on the conclusions of whatever United States Air Force and or Department of Defense investigation followed General Gabrielle's visit. My cold case review showed that General Gabrielle's removal of the evidence was one of a number of factors that adversely affected the contemporaneous investigation. A combination of confusion over jurisdiction, i.e. between the UK and the US authorities, delay and poor information sharing fatally undermined the original investigation. Part of the problem was that the US investigation was in of itself a direct contradiction of the US government's public line on UFOs, namely that the subject is of no official interest and that no official investigations took place after the termination of the USAF's investigative program, Project Blue Book, at the end of 1969. This clearly put senior United States Air Force officers in an extremely difficult position, and it was clear to me that the US authorities wished to hand the investigation off to the British, while the Ministry of Defense was equally keen to see the Americans take the lead. The confusion over precisely what happened at the time is compounded by the fact that some Ministry of Defense, Defense Intelligence staff UFO files covering the time period of the Rendlesham Forest incident have been destroyed, seemingly without proper authorization. While I'm aware that this action has generated some conspiracy theories, I'm not aware of any evidence that suggests this was a deliberate attempt to hide information, though I know that some people dispute that point. While some internal Ministry of Defense emails expressed delight at the loss of these files, my assessment is that these were unfortunate remarks by comparatively junior staff and were motivated by nothing more sinister than the relief of not having to respond to further Freedom of Information Act requests for the documents. By the Ministry of Defense's own admission, there was no definitive explanation for the Rendlesham Forest incident, and the case remains unexplained to this day. However, when pressed to make a statement on the incident, MOD consistently said that the events were judged to be of no defense significance, quote unquote. Um, a catch-all soundbite that the MOD consistently used with all UFO sightings, explained or unexplained. In this way, MOD could justify taking no further action, whatever the circumstances of a case. It's worth quoting uh, in conclusion, 
the assessment of Lord Hill Norton, retired five-star admiral who was former chief of the defence staff and former chairman of NATO's military committee. Commenting on MOD's no, no defence significance line on Rendlesham Forest, Lord Hill Norton said, my position both privately and publicly expressed over the last dozen years or more is that there are only two possibilities, either A, an intrusion into our airspace and a landing by unidentified craft took place at Rendlesham as described, or B, the deputy base commander of an operational nuclear-armed US Air Force base in England and a large number of his enlisted men were either hallucinating or lying. It's difficult to uh, disagree with that assessment. And that was a little longer clip. Thank you for the snack, the little <laughs> mid-episode mid snack. But uh, let's get into our uh, thoughts about the incident and final thoughts, of course. Which button? Which button? Which button? Why isn't it playing? It was playing. Why is my... <clears throat> my stuff is all messed up because I can't hear it. presented the facts, it's time now to examine the evidence and give our theories. So pull up a chair for our final thoughts. <laughs> Science. Well, uh, after that debacle, and in my dojo soon, uh, you can go first. So, my final thoughts are thought that, let's see, it could have been the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it probably was the lighthouse. Now, it does not explain 60% of what happened and what they saw. Um, I think that there is... It's so controversial because you have the, the points that the skeptics make and the points that the believers make. Both make sense. Both make sense. And I think that that's because both of it's at play here. I think there was some mysterious, unexplained stuff happening, as well as some rational, explainable things. And uh, they just got jumbled together in the middle of those, in the middle of the night in the woods. Um, so I think because of the blending of it, 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 it has made it difficult to weed through which is which. It's murky. Um, so with that being said, I believe that uh, both things, or I believe both sides, I think that, some stuff did happen, and other stuff uh, could have just gotten lumped into the unexplained, you know, because of the heat of the moment of, of what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Strange! <laughs> Strange. But, yeah, so that's my final thought. I'm going to get a soundbite of him just saying Strange. Beautiful. So, I have kind of a similar thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the blinking of the, like, every five seconds. I like how bling, I like how. A lighthouse blinks every five seconds or so. And if you match that actual the video of the... I saw you counting. Yeah. It did line up. It, it, if you match, there's a video of that lighthouse yeah. with the audio of him saying, oh, there's a light. Oh, it's gone. Oh, there's a light. It matches. Mm -hmm. Every time he says there's a light, it comes around. Um, yeah. That was also in the, the documentary codename Rendlesham where they showed the lighthouse and him doing that, and it was perfect timing mm -hmm. every five seconds. Um, it was visible for the video I saw, which I just fucking said. It also, the one they showed, had a red tint to it, which also correlates with it's kind of red. Mm -hmm. uh, he marked the direction on a compass, 
And it was basically the same direction. Not yes. basically. It was it basically, was. <laughs> it was in the same direction. Yeah. 10 degrees off, I guess. And it was uh, also in the same direction as the farm. So if the yes. light all of a sudden took off and flew towards the farm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yes. Now, what it doesn't explain are the lights changing colors from red and white to yellow, green, blue. Mm-hmm. It doesn't explain splitting off or coming closer. The beam of light that comes off the craft is also not explained by the lighthouse yep. and going to the farmhouse, the, um, to their, the beam of light going to the farmhouse, them and the nuclear sites is what I meant. Yep. And, uh, the moving of the, not left to right, but up and down all over and splitting off into different lights, which I might've said, but mm-hmm. doesn't explain by the lighthouse. But on day one, that could have been explained by the meteorites and yep. the Russian space center. Yep. Now I have no explanation for this day two though. If that was just one day they saw multiple lights and day two was just the blinking light from the lighthouse. Oh yeah. I would totally like, wipe this whole case off of Right. In my opinion, it would be false and just yeah, a yeah. misidentification. But with what happened night two being so similar right. to night one, minus the craft landing. My mouth clicked, so <laughs> venison's got me. I mean the deer venison. <laughs> that, that the deer I'm say the uh, accident venison. <laughs> He's coming back to get us. <laughs> uh, so what I'm trying to say is blinking light, lighthouse. Yeah. First night, multiple could definitely be, definitely, definitely, definitely be definitely. satellites breaking up or a meteor shower. The landing of the uh, craft, that's an eyewitness account, but there was marks in the ground. And conflicting reports. Yes. You it's, have the abrasions on the tree that kind of go with radi- higher level of radiation all facing that. Yep. Which could also it's contribute just, to so a wild, spaceship it, landing. It, literally every detail in here. It's, it's like. Either or. Either. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking weird. I would love to say that I 100% believe it. Me too. Or that I 100% don't believe it. But unfortunately, I can't. Exactly. Like, That's exactly where I'm at. My final thoughts are that I think it's a mix of the lighthouse, uh, the meteor shower slash Russian space uh, satellite or whatever Something. it was. Whatever. Some kind of space night thing. one and the unexplainable. Because, again, if it's just a lighthouse, why is the fucking animals going silent and going crazy and all that stuff? The mm-hmm. animals wouldn't give a shit about a lighthouse because they see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, there also wouldn't be a beam of light and everything. So, son of a bitch. It's a mystery. I, I can't. I can't give you either way. <clears throat> it's a mystery. But, uh, the Rendition Forest UFO incident will remain one of the most famous and controversial US, UFO cases out there, as we've discussed and have kind of examined. Uh, whether you believe it was an otherworldly landing or just a mistaken lighthouse and meteor shower, the fact remains that there is still a lot of mystery and intrigue that goes along with this case. That's our theories, and we're sticking to them. Now, Maestro, hit these beautiful people with your amazing outro. Please. Had to go nice on that one. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, Squatches. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Don't Touch My Sad Squatch podcast. If you're enjoying the show and want to show some love, hop over to our Patreon where you can dive into our treasure trove of exclusive bonus content and explore the multitude of perks we offer to our supporters. Explore our website where our mysterious merch awaits. Pair it with our Patreon membership for a special discount on your purchase. Because who doesn't love a good combo deal? I love it. 
Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or send us an email at dtscast at gmail.com. We're always thrilled to hear from our incredible listeners. For a visual treat, check out the YouTube channel where Josh crafts incredible video editions of our episodes. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. Links to everything can be found in the show notes below. And hey, while you're listening, why not drop us a stellar five-star rating? Like it. Your support fuels our growth, ensuring even more fantastic content for your ears. Thank you, you for there. being part of our mysterious entity union. Mysterious Ooh. entity union? Yeah. Or Cryptid UFO and Spirit Seekers Coalition. Jesus, what's the acronym for that? That's a mouthful. That would be Quasic. <laughs> it's Quasic. <laughs> I might like the acronym for that. Quasic. Thank you, Quasics. The Cryptid UFO and Spirit Seekers Coalition. Oh, that's classics. Yeah. <laughs> no, you classics. <laughs> I, have, I like it. But until our next encounter, keep exploring and remember to stay curious, be vigilant, and don't touch my Sasquatch. Don't do it. He's learning how to fly a, a spaceship today, and he's not doing a good job. Strange. Um, itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. Down came the rain and click. Oh yeah, that's right. It's in my ears now. <laughs> you all heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> Notifications are off, but that's not. Bump it. <laughs> DJ, wicka 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 Lennon. How you doing? Gotta get a good how you doing while we can. We won't hear cars soon. Won't really hear anything soon. We'll just hear shopping carts because we're in Target. Target. Tar Target. 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 Oh, I didn't do this. I'm ready whenever you are. Okay, fine. So I'm going to school. <laughs> in December of 1980 in Suffolk, England, be I'm going to take that all the way back. Take it back, baby. In and no. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job taking it back. <laughs> in approximately two meters high. It illuminated the entire forest with a white light. The object itself had a pulsing red light on top. There's so much happening. I was trying to fix my hat and I choked. I didn't expect the bell to go off and I didn't expect to choke. Sanctuary. I'm the shepherd out long uh, resi I wrote it right. Let me just read it. I'm going to take three on that. Another clip. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I had nothing to add there. <laughs> Idiot. Hold on. So. I don't. What? My mic's not working. I hear you. Just fine. And my headphone's not working. Did you hit something over there? Hello? 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 <laughs> that was weird. It's the exact same time. And hey. And hey. And hey. While you're listening. While you're listening. While you're enjoying. Why did I fucking... I like it so far. Hey, we're gonna turn off your uh, your your phone in three, two, bubble gum, <laughs> bubble gum, <laughs> and how about the old? What's this thing called? Skilly bebop, skilly bee, skilly bebop. I got a pee. <laughs> Why did you start recording? <laughs> <clears throat> off the scarf. <laughs>